The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field, which a person finds and hides again, and out of joy goes and sells all that he has, and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he finds a pearl of great price, he goes and sells all that he has and buys it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, which collects fish of every kind. When it is full, they haul it ashore and sit down to put what is good into buckets. What is bad, they throw away. Thus it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Do you understand all these things? They answered, Yes. And he replied, Then every scribe who has been instructed in the kingdom of heaven is like the head of a household, who brings from his storeroom both the new and the old. The Gospel of the Lord. On Friday evening, I drove to St. Louis to baptize a friend of mine's daughter yesterday morning, and so I stayed for the night with my parents in suburban St. Louis. And as people in suburban St. Louis do on summer nights, we were watching the St. Louis Cardinals game. My dad and I were talking baseball, and I was talking with him about Adrian Beltre, the third baseman for the Texas Rangers, who's approaching his 3,000th career hit, quite a milestone. And we're talking back and forth, and my dad asks me, knowing of my love for this player, is he better than Scott Rowland? And before I go any further, yes, I'm aware Scott Rowland lives in Bloomington, and no, I'm not trying to curry any favor with him whatsoever. But I do believe he is the best third baseman I have ever seen play the game of baseball. And so, but here I'm faced with this, where Adrian Beltre, statistically at least, on all the major categories offensively, seems to have a superior record to Scott Rowland. And yet, I was steadfast. I believe that Scott Rowland is better. Because why? Well, emotions. I loved watch, watching Scott Rowland play baseball when I was a kid. He could do anything on the baseball field. And when I think of my high school and college days and going down to Bush Stadium and eating a hot dog and drinking a cold beer and watching Scott Rowland play third base, I'm happy. I'm content. I'm pleased. And oftentimes, this is the way we argue. This is why sports and talk radio are so popular, is that we can try and argue over objective characteristics and metrics and all of these things, but at the end of the day, for most of our arguments in life, they come down to my emotions, how I feel about something. You know, we, and this is okay when we talk about baseball and certain things in our life. You know, who likes steak versus who likes fish? I mean, that's not an objective thing, and we can be emotional in that, and that's okay. But the challenge for each of us 
is when this kind of arguing from a primacy of the individual, a primacy of my emotions, becomes an argument for everything in this world. And there are two veins that are problematic, that we struggle with, not only you know, as a culture, but also individually. And the two of those things are what are called anthropocentrism, which is the belief that I, as an individual, because of my humanity, because of the gifts of my humanity, have the capacity and the ability to make any and all decisions, to kind of do and to know what is best in any and every situation. And connected with that is the notion of relativism. That what's this belief that what's good for me is not necessarily objectively good for every person. And in both of those veins, in some places, like in arguments about baseball and who's the best third baseman, we can use those things. But when it comes to divine truth, when it comes to the big serious questions that we must ask as Christians, if the scriptures teach us nothing today, it's that God is the one who provides the answers. It's that God is the one who provides the standards. God offers each of us the same thing that he offered Solomon. In the first reading, Solomon could have asked for whatever he wanted. And what did he ask for? An understanding heart. He asked to know the ways of God. And for that to be the way that he led. And he was given that. And God rewarded him greatly for being open to his ways and desiring to rule and lead in his ways. In the second reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, St. Paul says that those he foreknew he predestined to be configured to the image of his Son. Think about that for a minute. That our best self is not a self-actualization of who I am, but my best self is the image of God. My best self is Christ Jesus. St. Teresa of Avila has a famous prayer where she says that my hands are the Lord's prayers. My heart, my words are the Lord's heart and the Lord's words. And to be the image of God is to be led by God, to image the man on the cross, to give everything, to do what Jesus says in the gospel, to sell everything, to sacrifice, to buy that pearl of great price or that treasure in the field. And here's the beautiful thing about that pearl of great price and that treasure in the field is that in a few minutes we're all going to witness our Lord giving that pearl of great price and that treasure into the field to our newly baptized brother Isaac. That in a few minutes God will give him everything he needs for his salvation. But here's the thing and here's the challenge for both his parents and godparents and for each and every one of us today who is baptized, who is the beloved son or daughter of God who has been reconfigured to the image of God, is that yes, that price has been paid by Christ on the cross, but we are challenged each and every day to give from what we have, to buy in our own life, to buy into what the Lord has already freely offered us without our cost. He has paid, and He's asking us to walk with Him, to give a little bit more and more of ourselves each and every day. To let his ways be my ways. To make my heart his heart. So that when people encounter me, when people encounter each and every one of us, the hope is that they walk away touched by not how wonderful and good and alive that we are, but how much Christ radiates from within us. Because it is only Jesus Christ whose presence will have and whose impact will have eternal impact and effect on other people's lives.
Each and every one of us is also offered this pearl of great price, this treasure in the field, when we come and humble ourselves and receive the Eucharist. That Jesus Christ offers each and every one of us every Sunday and every day throughout the week, in fact, His body, His blood, His soul and divinity. Not so that we can just be you know, automatons that do the will of God, but so that our will, our life, all the beautiful gifts that He has given and activated in us might continue to build up and to give more and more glory to God. Solomon was the greatest among men. He ended his life in disgrace and horror because he gave in constantly to the desires of the flesh. Constantly. And within the lifetime of his sons, his kingdom was severed, never to be reunited, except in Christ Jesus. God has given each and every one of us a wonderful gift. And so it's not enough to just say, God, give it to me today. But God, give it to me today and give it to me tomorrow. And all of these major challenges and questions in our life, God says to each and every one of us, ask something of me and I shall give it to you. And so whether that be in our career, in our family, in that decision that we make by ourselves, ask something of me, and I shall give it to you. The Lord never tires in his generosity. The Lord never tires in his mercy. Each and every one of us is called to both of those things, to his generosity and his mercy today. It is my hope that we are able to change our hearts so that when we go to the Lord, we go not like a father and son arguing over who is a better third baseman, but as sons and daughters willing to learn, willing to be changed, and willing to become the beloved, the pearl of great price, the treasure in the field that God purchased for each of us on the cross.